So I was thinking um, this week about um, our message uh, or our um, series on a different world and um, we're just about done. We have one more week next week and then we'll move into um, a series where we're going to talk about the book of Job. Um, But I was thinking about sort of how to encourage us and challenge us from God's word to live into this different world that we live in um, very particularly. But I want to always do whatever I do to speak to our contemporary sort of situation out of what God gives us in his word. And so if God gives something in his word, then I want to speak to that. And then Uh, As I was looking this week, I found this passage in Acts chapter 18 about Paul. Paul is obviously a central figure in the book of Acts. And one of the things that I want to talk about out of Paul is um, I want to think about courage. Because living courageously is a challenge for all of us sometimes. And I want to encourage um, you as you think about the world that we live in. How do we live in this crazy reality that we're facing with? um, The COVID pandemic, with things transitioning culturally around us, with a lot of um, heavy and big cultural conversations about things like justice and race and police and all that other sort of stuff. How do we live? into these realities with a sense of courage that what we're doing um, is what God wants us to do. And out of that, we're going to live, even when it's hard, we're going to live courageously. I was thinking about that this week, and I've done a lot of reading, many of you know, on history. And um, if you read about history, you're going to read about people who lived courageously, especially at different times in history and different contexts. And one of the things that, one of the definitions that I've got from history about courage is this. You can write this down if you want to. It's a pretty good definition. Courage is not um, doing whatever it is that you're doing. So uh, living living in bravery um, beyond scary things. That courage is actually this. It's doing hard and scary things even when you're scared. It's doing the things that, we're, that are hard to do in our world around us, even when we're somewhat fearful. And I was thinking about this week in terms of things that can make us brave. And I have something that I think is, has to be bravery for all of us. Being a parent. Is being a parent something that takes bravery? It absolutely does. It takes you and I, who are our parents, and... Good morning, sir. Good to see you this morning. Um, It takes those of us who are parents willing to take on the really big challenge of loving our sons and daughters despite it being hard and scary sometimes. How many of you would agree that that parenting is a hard and scary thing sometimes? Especially in the world that we live in. I know especially for some of you parents who are starting school this week. It's a hard and scary week for some of you, right? Because some of you aren't really sure how this is going to look with your kids learning in your home or what it is that they're going to do if they're at school, if they go to school, are they going to be exposed to something? If they're at home, are you going to be able to manage it? Being a parent is a hard thing. You know what else is actually takes some courage and some bravery? Being married well. How many of you admit that? Being a good husband or a good wife takes courage, takes bravery, because sometimes it can be hard and it can be scary. 
I don't think courage is always about, you know, in the middle of some sort of war or conflict, being the one to sort of take the lead when things are scary out in the battlefield. I think actually for us, living courageously and bravely is when we look at the world around us and there are scary or hard things, and yet we live into them despite being scared, despite having fear. And as we look at this passage from Acts chapter 18 this morning, we get some deeper understanding of how God in the life of Paul equips us to understand courage and bravery in our world better. As we dig into God's word from Acts chapter 18, I want to encourage you um, to join with me in prayer. Father, be present. Equip us with your spirit. Equip us with the power of your words to our hearts and our minds that we, Lord, may be encouraged, transformed to live courageously. That we have the power through your spirit to live into hard and scary things that surround us every day. But we do so not because of who we are, but because of who you are in us. Father, equip us to this, and Lord, as we see this example in Paul, may we take on our courage and our bravery from his example to live courageously for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Turn with me in your Bibles, Acts chapter 18. We're going to read the first eight verses together. It says this there, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justice, a leader a worshiper of God, Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. Now, if you know anything about the book of Acts, you know that Paul is a wandering missionary. In fact, when we, after we get his conversion from Saul being Paul, the majority of the book of Acts centers around the different places that Paul goes. We've already talked about him being in Antioch. We've already talked about him journeying to Jerusalem. Uh, as we close out this series, we're going to see his transition not, from, not only to Jerusalem, but eventually he ends up in Rome. His whole focus is on carrying the gospel to all these different towns and places in the world where the gospel has not been shared. But... 
Here we see him coming to a place that becomes central and pivotal to his ministry, the city of Corinth. In fact, if you read um, in, in your New Testament and you look at all the letters of Paul, and we have many of them, we have Romans, we have First and Second Corinthians, we have First and Second Thessalonians, we have Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, we see that his two letters to the Corinthians are actually his biggest writings to any individual church. Rome, or the Roman letter, book of Romans, is the biggest book, but together, First and Second Corinthians take up more space than Rome. In fact, I don't know if you knew that that's how the New Testament um, letters were organized. Romans is the longest one. And so every one that becomes a little shorter is the next one that goes. So you get all the order of the books. The Corinthian church gets most of his information and we find out why here. Because he spent a lot of time with them. And because he spent a lot of time with them, he loved them deeply and wanted to see them blessed and encouraged with the gospel. Corinth has a special place for him. But despite his affection for Corinth, we see that there's challenge, right? We see that when he goes into the synagogue, he's confronted. He's confronted by the synagogue leaders. So all of a sudden, he's in the midst of conflict, a hard thing. But we already see his courage manifesting itself. What does it say? It says that he spent a long time in Corinth. It said he, he spent how long? A year and a half in Corinth. He spent a long time. So even despite its difficulty, he had the courage to stick it out. So that's the first point that I want us to hear about courage. Courage is not just doing a scary or a hard thing once. Courage and bravery is sometimes about doing a scary or a hard thing or living into a scary or a hard thing over and over and over again. That's why I think parenting is about courage. That's why I think parents, moms, and dads who live well into being parents are the most courageous people because you know, once you're a mom or a dad, you are a mom and a dad or a dad for the rest of your life. And it takes you living into that courageously that each and every day you are going to be a good mom or a good dad. And yes, there are super moms and dads out there, right? We all know who they are. They're the ones who put on the super uber spectacular birthday parties. They're the ones who make all their kids own clothes when they're young. All these other sorts of things that some super moms or dads do. But you know who I think are the real super moms or dads? The ones who wake up every morning, pray for their kids, show them love, and encourage them to follow Jesus and do that every day. That's courage. Courage and bravery is to live faithfully into harder, scary things over and over and over again. And that's why when we hear the command of God to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself, that is an ongoing command that's for a lifetime. That takes courage. So the first point about courage is that is courage is about consistent bravery, considering that there's hard or scary things every day. Let's look into the second part of the passage, verse 9 through 11. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you and no one is going to attack or harm you because I have many people in this city. 
So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half. I got a little ahead of myself. There it is. Teaching them the word of God. So God promises his presence to fall to Paul as he faithfully proclaims his message. And that is certainly an encouragement to Paul as he is confronted by these synagogue leaders who want to confront him and kick him out of the synagogue and make sure that he doesn't preach anymore about Jesus. He understands God is with him because God says it to them. That's one thing. But notice his message. Verse 5 reminds us that Paul's message in relation especially to the Jews in the synagogue was always about one thing. Verse 5 says this, when Paul, when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying what? To the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. Paul's courage is manifesting itself in focusing on the most important task that God said to him, when you do it, I will be with you. What does God say to him? Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Keep on speaking what? About Jesus. Keep on proclaiming the words of Jesus. Keep on proclaiming the life of Jesus. Keep on proclaiming salvation that comes through Jesus. And because that's what Paul is doing, God promises to be with him. Keep on doing what you're doing, Paul, because you're showing the world Jesus. Now, what if Paul had changed his message? What if Paul had chosen to engage in some sort of debate with the Jewish leaders of the synagogue? What if, as Paul, we saw in, his, in last week's passage, what if Paul had gotten into the power struggle that was surrounding synagogues and Roman rulers and all the dynamics that we saw in last week's message? Then would God have promised to be with him? We don't know. But we do know that God says to Paul, keep on doing what you're doing. And we know what Paul is doing is speaking Jesus. Paul is keeping the main thing, the main thing. There's your second point about courage. The second point about courage is this. Keep the main thing, the main thing. And if that's what we're supposed to do, what's the main thing, right? The main thing is always Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. And here's the problem with the world that we live in, right? We get distracted really quickly from proclaiming the message of Jesus. We get consumed by the realities of all the stuff going on in our world. We get consumed by, by what we see on the news. We get consumed by what we see when we walk into our neighborhoods, what we, when we walk into our cities. We get consumed by all this other stuff. And all this other stuff is big and it has impact us and on, on us. And I don't argue that for a minute. But in all that, are we keeping the main thing the main thing? How many of you would say that the chief call of the believer is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to tell the world about him? How many would say that's your main job? Okay, how many of us in the last five or six months have proclaimed to others who Jesus is? Have you talked with others about Jesus? Have you had a conversation with another person who doesn't know him about who Jesus is? Or have we been distracted? 
distracted by the reality of the things going on around us. See, Paul was in the middle of hard things in conflict too. He had people trying to tear him down and eventually we're going to see they came after him and they came after him hard. But he didn't get distracted by, him, by that. Instead, what does it say? It says in verse 5, exclusively he devoted himself to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. So we have do things courageously for a long time. And in that doing them a long time, we keep the main thing, the main thing. Because proclaiming Jesus is our main thing. It's not getting involved in political conversations. It's not making sure that the way things are going around us, when we say that they're falling apart, that they go the way that we think they should. Instead, it's being focused on, despite all things going on around us, that God is in control and we're going to tell the world that in such a way that they can hear the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ as we speak it to them and we live into relationship with them, showing them who Jesus is. Our lives proclaim him, keeping the main thing, the main thing. The next section, verses 12 through 13, says this. That wind is a hard thing up here, isn't it, Aaron? When Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews of Corinth made a united attack on Paul and brought him to the place of judgment. This man, they charged, is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. So all of a sudden, in his courage... Paul gets confronted. Now, we don't know the time frame. Paul was in Corinth for a year and a half. When did this attack from the Jewish leaders come? We can assume at least that it was probably a little bit removed from Paul having that conversation with them in verse 6. Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of that. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. We'll see why in a moment. But probably not a long time. These folks were getting frustrated with Paul. Why were they getting frustrated with Paul? Because of this. We see in verse 13, it says this, this man they charged is, what does it say in your Bibles? Is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. What Paul was doing in his courage to be consistent over a long time with the message, to keep the main thing, the main thing, was having power that people were being persuaded and transformed. Because his message was consistently focused on Jesus, other people were hearing his message and their lives were being changed. And because lives were being changed, Satan shows up. Satan shows up through the Jewish leaders. That's the third point about courage. Third point about courage is this. When you and I live courageously, being consistent over a long time, keeping the main thing the main thing, we can expect conflict. You should expect it. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm not at all surprised oftentimes that in the church and as Christians, we feel like we're, we're um, in the middle of sources of conflict in our world. I'm not surprised by that. Why? Because the gospel is being preached, right? Jesus is the savior of the world. There is no other hope except through him. 
That is a culture-challenging and world-transforming message. And if we proclaim that with our lives, we can expect people to say, oh, no, he's not. You can't do that. You can't say that. That's what Paul is experiencing here. He's experiencing the challenge of the world and the powers of the world coming back and saying, "Uh uh-uh, we're not giving up our ground. We're not giving up the ground of those who don't believe in Jesus. We're going to confront you and we're going to try to remove your message. And the way to remove it, remove the one proclaiming it. Paul, living courageously. The passage closes with this, verses 14 through 17. Just as Paul was about to speak, Gallio said to them, if you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names in your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. So he drove them off. Then the crowd there turned on Sosthenes, the synagogue leader, and beat him in front of the proconsul. And Gallio showed no concern whatsoever. This is quite a resolution to Paul's problem right? You'll notice Paul is about to speak, but he doesn't get a chance. Why? Because God fights the battle for him. God speaks through Gallio and says, Paul, you have been faithful, living courageously, faithfully, proclaiming the message of Jesus. You've kept the main thing, the main thing. And now that the conflict comes, I will fight the conflict for you. Paul's courage said he could trust that God would be faithful to his promise. And what's his promise? He says in verse 9, read it again. Do not be afraid. I am with you. No one is going to attack or harm you because I have many people in this city. When Paul, or when, when Paul receives that promise from God, I will protect you. What do we know about God and promises? He always keeps them. So here in the moment, when Paul has been faithful and courageous and brave throughout however much time this is, and he's confronted with conflict, God fights for him. God uses this Roman, comes from an unexpected source, and this Roman says, "Uh uh-uh, no. This This is not a battle that I'm getting. I'm not doing what it is that you want me to do to silence this man. And what also happens is all those people who, whom Paul, what did the word say? Who have been persuaded said, and no, you're not going to touch him either. We're going to make sure of that. So that's the fourth point about courage. When the conflict comes, trust in God's provision through the conflict. God will be the one to care for you. God will be the one to fight your battle for you. God will be present in those situations. And that's one of the things that makes me, uh, I'm a little crazy. I was even having a similar conversation this morning, right? There are things in this world that upset us. How many of you are upset by some of the things you see on television and in the news? All right. There are things that you can be, uh, or that, that, that you get upset about. But let me ask you this question. How many of those things can you actually change? 
How many things can you change? How many things can you change what's going on in Oregon if you don't like that? Or Washington if you don't like that? Or in Washington, D.C. if you don't like that? Or across the world? Or in another part of this state? Or in another county? Or in another city? Or in your child's life? Or in another family's member, member's life? Or a friend's life? How many of those things can you change? How many of those things can you transform? I don't know about you, but the person that I probably think I might have the most influence on is Kristen, my spouse. And here's what I know after 27 years of marriage. I can't change her. And she can't change me. If that's the case, how in the world am I going to change these other big things over which I have absolutely no control or influence over? Who can change them? The Lord God. The Lord God who fights all of our battles and our conflicts and our struggles for it. So for us to change our prayer sometime to God, you be God. You keep your promises to us as your people. You bring your kingdom here. You transform these big things that we are so concerned about that keep us up at night, that we watch too much news, watch too much social media feeds on, that, Lord, you would release us from that burden because it's your burden to carry, not ours. You're the one in control. You're the one who's going to fix it, not us. We will trust you to fight our battle. And here's the last point on courage releasing all things before God that only God can handle is actually pretty courageous. Because it means we're not trying to take them from his hands. We're not trying to be consumed by him, by those things, by them. And instead, you know what that means? We can focus. We can focus on those things that we can do. As you look at your outline, you see that last point. This is what we can do. We can, first of all, as the word says here in verse 9, we don't have to be afraid. How many of you still believe that the earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof, the world and everything in it? How many of you still believe that? Okay, so if it's the Lord's earth, is he going to care for it? Is he going to take care of it? Is he going to make all things new? Is he going to come and restore all things in Jesus Christ? Yes. Do we... Do we need to be afraid? Absolutely not. Do not be afraid. The second thing is focus on Jesus. Keep the main thing the main thing. The message that we carry as followers of God is the message of Jesus Christ as the salvation of the world. Let's keep our focus on that thing. Not to be distracted or consumed by these other things. Keep the main thing the main thing focus on Jesus. And the last thing is this, love the Lord your God more than anything else. More than you thinking you have all the right answers. More than what you think should happen being the right thing. More than some political party, some social action issue, something that is in this world that you would focus on loving the Lord your God more than that thing. Because if you love anything more than the Lord God, what is it? We know the word. It's an Old Testament word. It's an idol. It's an idol. Make an idol of no thing that is not 
of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the reason for our worship. God the Father, creator of all things, is the focus of our worship. And as we live in courage and bravery, as we are consistent in our message, as we make our message constantly about Jesus, and when the challenge or the trial comes, we allow the Lord God to fight our battles. As we live into that, we can trust in our world, peace will reign. Peace will come. Because we're putting the things where they need to be in the Lord, and God's kingdom will grow. Friends, that's my challenge for us this week. Live into that. And we, as followers of Jesus, are truly living courageous lives. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for your presence here. And as we acknowledge your presence, Lord, may you strengthen us, encourage to go from this place, to proclaim to the world around us and in all that we do, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Lord, may we, may we not be distracted. May we not be taken down a rabbit trail of the things of this world, of the things that are going on, so much so that we get consumed from proclaiming Jesus. We get consumed from who you made us to be. Instead, Father, that we can have the courage to give you, lay before you, all those things that concern our hearts and our minds, that we can, in faith, trust that you are going to keep your promises just as you have throughout all of our lives. And that, Lord, in your promises being kept, that we can instead release all those things and focus on being your, your mouthpiece, your hands, your feet, your, your body to the world around us so that people might hear, people might believe, people might be transformed by the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. Father, this is work that you and you alone can do in us. We pray you do it today. In Jesus' name, amen.